Let's open our Bibles to the 51st Psalm. Psalm 51, David's prayer of repentance after his sin with Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet had confronted him that God was greatly displeased with him. Psalm 51, I want us to recognize three primary thoughts from the psalm as we limit our focus to the first, that David is going to describe his condition by nature as being one of sin, and if of sin, then death. Because we are going to read in Romans chapter 8 that the body is dead because of sin. There's a law in our members that is going to take all of our bodies down to the grave, and it's the law of sin and death. The second thing I want us to see is in the fourth verse that David had sinned against the Lord. While we can say that David had sinned against Uriah, David had sinned against his nation, David had sinned against his other wives, that was all quite insignificant compared to his sin against God. And it was his sin against God that grieves and quenches the Holy Spirit. Which leads us to the third thing we want to see, and that is what was missing in David's life because of his sin, and what kind of pain and trouble was he experiencing because of his sin? It's because of the grieved and quenched Holy Spirit in his life. Therefore, we are born without the Spirit. When we sin, our sin is primarily against God, and because of that, we lose the spiritual blessings of God's presence with us and in us. Let us all stand together as we read Psalm 51 in unison. Together, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. 
Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Amen and amen. You may be seated. This psalm is well known by those who know the Bible and the life of David. The superscript above it, maintained by the Hebrew scribes, and given to us by our King James translators 400 years ago, is that it is a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. But let me recount the few things I want you to take from this psalm. It's worthy of an entire sermon or more in all that it has to say. David comes here in confession, and he states that fact in verse 2. Wash me throughly. Or thoroughly, in our modern use of that word, from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Not others' sins, but his own. And he identifies it clearly as his sin and his sin against God. He admits his blood guiltiness in verse 14, because he did kill Uriah the Hittite with the sword by way of Joab, and it cost the life of his son as well. But verse 3, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And this is a, this is a spirit of confession and repentance that how serious the matter was to David. And he admits in the fifth verse that he was shapen in iniquity and in sin his mother had conceived him. That is not saying, as some modern commentators would like you to believe, that his mother was guilty of fornication in conceiving David. The problem is David was son number eight of a married man named Jesse of Bethlehem. This is not his mother sinning. This is David's sinful nature conceived in the womb of a mother because we have the nature of Adam upon every one of us. We are conceived in sin and born in sin and shapen in iniquity. And he admits that. And in Romans 8, when it tells us that the wages of sin is death in chapter 6, and in Romans 8, the body is dead because of sin. It's because our bodies are doomed to die by sin within them. The sin in our members is going to take every one of our bodies, every faculty, down to the grave and corrupt it into nothingness. The dust of the earth, it will return to the dust of the earth. But there's more to be said on that subject from Romans chapter 8. David admits that, that apart from God's mercy, 
he had a sin principle within him that controlled him, his person and his destiny. He was a sinner in the sight of God. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But in verse 4, something that we have commented on many times, but we do not want to forget, is that sin, though it may harm others at times, some sins we cannot call foolishly with libertarians, they are victimless crimes. They offend God. Every sin offends God. He is the victim of our sinning. And though He does not need our righteousness for His perfect happiness, it is an offense against Him when we sin. And so David said, Against thee, in the fourth verse, Thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. He did not think upon Uriah. He did not think upon his other wives. He did not think upon the nation. He did not think upon the bad example he gave his children because all of that was very insignificant in comparison to offending his creator, the holy God of heaven. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And he goes on to say that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. There would be no fault on God's part for judging and chastening David. There would be no problem with the Lord issuing declarations against David for his sins. And David admits this. And it is this offense that grieves and quenches the Holy Spirit of God. We are going to learn about the Holy Spirit again today from Romans chapter 8. But when we sin against God, notice the offense is against Him. So it is the Holy Spirit in us and with us that is grieved, that is to be offended and quenched. That is to be reduced in power in our lives. That's all there in the fourth verse. Even though written in the Old Testament... By the Holy Spirit of God, it had an understanding of the things that we will read in Romans chapter 8. Your sins are against God. And when you sin against God, you offend Him and you justify Him in chastening you. Now he goes forward and he begins describing things that he wants to have restored in his life and that he wants to have that he has lost because of his sin. And when we lose the powerful influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it causes us to lose fellowship, peace, joy, and other things we're about to read. Verse 6, God desires truth in the inward parts. Our insides are corrupted and distracted and diverted by our sins. What did it cause David to do regarding truth because of his sin of adultery with Bathsheba? Was he a man of truth from that day forward? Or when confronted, was he reduced to lying over and over to cover his crime? And so now he's praying, Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. He had lost wisdom. He was living foolishly, and he was living dishonestly, and he wanted both restored, and he needed them restored, and God is able to restore them because the Holy Spirit gives us power to live honestly and truthfully, and righteously. He wants to be clean and washed from his sins in verse 7. In verse 8, he wants joy and gladness 
and rejoicing to come into his life again. And the bones he describes as being broken were not literal broken bones, but they were the bones of his happiness, the bones of his success, and the bones of his prosperity had been broken. And he wanted to hear joy and gladness again. He couldn't hear anything that thrilled his soul like the things of God had once thrilled him. Sin will do that. And when you're unhappy, it's your fault, not God's. It's your fault that you have offended the spirit of happiness, which is the Holy Spirit of God. It's the bones that God breaks because of what you did. And so we confess them, and we want to be washed throughly from all sin and iniquity that we can have these things restored to us. Again he asks in verse 9 for God to hide his face and to blot out all his iniquities and to create a clean heart in him again because he had a dirty one. He had a dirty and a filthy one brought upon himself by giving in to sin and he wanted God to renew a right spirit within him so that he always wanted to do what was right and he had the power to do what was right because that power had been reduced in his life by his sin. And it is the same with us when we sin against God. And all sin is against God. He says in the 11th verse, Cast me not away from thy presence. He felt a distance between himself and God, and he asks not to be cast away. Because he knew of a man that God had cast away, his predecessor in the office of king of Israel. Because God took his spirit away from Saul and cast Saul out of his presence and took David into it. And David's very conscious of that fact that he had been blessed with the spirit and the presence of God like few men. And he does not want to be cast out. God can withdraw from a man. God left Hezekiah. And look what it did to Hezekiah as we read and studied recently. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He did not want that blessing. And in the Old Testament, the blessing of the Holy Spirit was temporal compared to the perpetual blessing that we get of that Spirit. Don't take him away from me. Because without the Spirit of God, we are reduced to weakness and sin. We need the power of the Spirit with us. In verse 12, again, he's back to joy. And he knows where that joy comes from. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I had it. I've lost it. Restore it. Bring it back to me. And uphold me with thy free spirit. I will fall apart. My life will be ruined if you do not uphold me with thy free spirit. The spirit of the living God that moves according to the will of God like the wind blows. And Lord, if you'll do these things to me, then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. But I am not in the shape to do so in my present condition. Deliver me from my blood guiltiness, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. If your spirit will create a right spirit within me and lift me up again in the joy of my salvation, then I will sing aloud of thy righteousness. But when we're under the guilt and depressing chastening of God's hand, there isn't a song in our heart. There isn't a song in our lips or our tongue. And so David is asking for that joy to be restored. Lord, You can open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. But it's by the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. 
You don't want me to go offer a sacrifice. The blood of a bullock on an altar isn't going to make up for this sin. You want a broken and a contrite heart. And this chapter tells us God will never despise a broken heart. He doesn't care if you break the skin or the blood vessels of an animal under the Old Testament to offer a sacrifice. He wants us to break our hearts in contrition, repentance, and humble confession of our sins. And then as he comes to the end of this prayer, he puts his attention, his focus, and his desire on Zion and Jerusalem and the sacrifices that the people of God would worship there. That again, the kingdom of God would be built up and that he would be part of it. But this is how he got there. And the role of the Spirit of God is very visible in this chapter. He does not want that Spirit taken away. He knows he needs to be upheld by that Spirit And the fruit of that spirit was lacking in his life. And he wanted God to restore it by renewing that spirit within him in strength and power. And that is the same thing we must do when we sin, because that strength and power is taken from us. We're born in sin. And all we have is a sin nature. And if God does not give us the Holy Spirit of God, there is no principle or power of life in us. Our bodies will consume in the ground and our spirits will be cast into hell. But there's a difference made in David's life, and there's a difference that's been made in our lives. And when we sin, we sin against God and offend Him. That's why He withdraws His presence from us. That is how we grieve the Holy Spirit and quench His power. And all these aspects of David's life, David was a man of truth. David was a man of righteousness. David was a man of joy. David was the man that danced with all his might before the Lord, what happened to him? He sinned. And against thee and thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest to me clear, when thou judgest. I deserve what you've done to me. But in confession I ask for you to wash my sins away, and give me your spirit again to uphold me, to create a right heart within me, and to fill me with joy and rejoicing. And to open my tongue and to loose it, that I can sing your praise like I have before. Amen. Let us have such a spirit in the year 2011, that when we sin, we will come clean before the Lord. And that he will restore to us the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.